Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Welcome back to another edition of the Internet's Most Dangerous Tottenham Hotspur Podcast. It is Wheeler Dealer Radio. I'm your host, Greg, and we are here today to talk about potentially two Tottenham Hotspur matches, but really the most exciting thing is we're here to talk about transfer window news, which is the only thing giving me joy and keeping me alive at this point. So let's get into it. Coming to us from the slopes of South Florida, it is Brian Ashlock. Brian, how, what are you more excited to talk about, Tottenham Hotspur victories or transfer signings? Well, I think for me, I am finally excited to put to use the vast wealth of knowledge that I have about the Italian criminal justice system. (laughs) Um, And, you know, I I did that internship for that law firm in Rome all those years ago. And and now it finally has some real world use. So I'm very excited. Well, that that will prove useful, I suppose, as we talk about this in the coming weeks and months. Uh, Coming to us from East Atlanta, it is the one, the only, the Ben Daniels. Ben, are you more excited about transfer news or uh, Tottenham Hotspur victories at this point? Man, I don't know. I've got nothing in my back pocket here. I don't know anything about anything as usual, so this is just a regular week for me. (laughs) I'm a little disappointed. Brian's really going to have to show out. (laughs) Not good for the podcast, but good for me personally. We'll see if we had our Patreon up and running, we could do the a spe- our special. You know, Brian could get on with an Italian lawyer, and they could have a conversation amongst themselves. Uh, yep the the one Italian lawyer that I, I'm still connected with on LinkedIn. Uh, he's uh, he's a big fan of Janet Jackson, and when he found out at the time that I lived in Atlanta. He was very jealous because he thought that maybe perhaps I had by chance stumbled upon Janet Jackson at some point. Um, Had you? And I, no, I was just like, oh, maybe at the mall in Buckhead, maybe, I don't know. Um, But he was just like very excited that I had lived in proximity to Janet Jackson. So, Italian lawyers are weird, man. Weird guys. I mean, I was excited I'd seen Pedro Porro in person, but, like, that sounds much more exciting than what I've got, so. So, yeah, let's start off with uh, the good news. Uh, Spurs had a 1-0 victory against Fulham uh, on the road. Yeah, on the road uh, at Craven Cottage. This was uh, a fairly typical match at this point, I would say. Uh, I think the difference would be that we controlled it maybe a little better than we occasionally do. And Harry Kane had a really nice goal. Uh, thoughts, comments, concerns, Ben. Yeah. I mean, we weren't good, but we won. So that's the mark of champions, right? Is to win games when you're not playing. well. We are. So I feel pretty good. Arsenal better watch out. If that's the case, we are coming for them. No, a fact that was pointed out that kind of made me depressed about this victory was this and Brighton are our two biggest victories of the season by by table position. And uh, yeah, that's not that's not great. That's not good at all. But 
know, they are both punching above their weight. Like, if, had we lost to Fulham, they would have gone above us into fifth place. And I don't think Fulham are that good, but that would have been deeply, deeply humiliating. So I'm pretty grateful for Harry Kane's goal. Fulham are this weird team that, like, I don't think they're very good. We absolutely should be beating them. But also, they've been playing kind of well. So it might not be quite the gimme that you would think it would be, but also, like you said, it would be totally embarrassing to lose these chumps. Yeah, I mean, by underlying numbers, they're, like, firmly bottom third of the table, but they have the distinction of being the most red-carded side against, so they've gotten to play a lot of advantageous matches a man up. Um, so, again, it's another stat that I heard, and I was like, oh, okay, so this is the match that Christian Romero is going to get sent off, and then we're going to miss him for three games or, you know. Something catastrophic really could have happened, and it didn't. Well, someone made the joke that, uh, going, playing off of that, uh, that, you know, like, the way this was different for Fulham than most of their games is, like, Son gets sent off for that foul early in the game, which, you know, he shouldn't have been, right, but that's right. what's been happening for them. I'd love to see if this is, like, the Joe Flacco, Torrey Smith, all-pass interference offense from the early 2010 Ravens, or if... I don't know. Is, are they doing something to draw fouls that is, like, unique or interesting? Or, or are they just really getting lucky? I have no idea. I, I can't say. I've watched a lot of Fulham this year. Yeah, I haven't done a real deep dive. I pity those. That'll who... be on the Patreon. We'll do the Fulham deep dive <laughs> on Patreon. <laughs> this is really... We'll have a video. We'll cut together clips that we pulled from Y Scout. It'll be great. It'll be great. I, I, I think something... <laughs> I don't have anything to go off of there uh brian uh, <laughs> instead, anyway. instead you're left with this yeah exactly exactly <laughs> sorry to derail the excellent content no 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 it's it's fine um brian um I, we're gonna talk about harry kane in a minute but are, are there any other performances in this game that really stood out to you uh i mean emerson royale got man of the match i guess <laughs> so i mean uh which is weird because he was. I thought he was better against uh, Manchester City um, when he, you know, scored a goal and everything. But uh, he was fine. Um, I mean, Sun continues to stand out, but not in a positive way. Um, and I don't know. I think everybody else was mostly just fine. It's really fitting that uh, Emerson had one of his best games in his first shirt, like a week before he's about to be rendered obsolete. But uh, he really has played well. Like, since Kuliszewski's come back, it's it's night and day with him how much more comfortable he looks in more of a sort of support fullback role where he has a guy he just knows he can hand the ball to and make shit happen and doesn't have to be an actual wingback, you know, getting up the pitch and plays and doing anything. Well, and one of the things that, that I've seen uh, people in other uh podcast on twitter talk about is like he's doing a little the last few games he's doing a little more where he receives the ball inside with decky you know kind of on the flank outside of him and where he's now not really expected to beat a man he's just playing you know whatever we're calling it a wall pass a bounce pass or whatever like receiving the ball from the midfield and immediately turning and playing it to the winger going around him or back to the center back and, and allowing them to play over the top. He's, he's been effective there. Like the way we were playing when we didn't have Kulisevsky in front of him really just kind of magnified his weaknesses because we were like, Hey, go beat a man and then create a, an attacking opportunity for us. And he's much more of a, 
retain possession, be smart defensively, just kick the ball to the guys on our team and that are fairly close to you sort and, of guy. And it's, it's, it's actually a real shame about Emerson because, you know, I think he was bought at a time, <clears throat> excuse me, at a time where we clearly had a placeholder coach in Nuno and who we were going to get rid of eventually. And I think we were just trying to, I think Paratici for better or worse was just trying to get decent players in the squad without, you know, adhering to someone's strict philosophy. And I think we have, I don't want to say one of the few managers who maybe wouldn't showcase him correctly, but I think in Conte, we just bought a manager who just doesn't do Emerson any favors. Uh, He's just, they're just not a good fit for one another. And I think, you know, a lot of us on this podcast get a lot of Spurs fans, period, get really sick of Emerson been foremost amongst them but i i think what there's another there's another spurs team where he's perfectly like he's you know he's fine like he's just a guy on the team who is a slightly above average player and he is just not suited for the spurs team at all yep well best of luck in the next phase of your career emerson (laughs) best luck in your future endeavors um I think before we get into all that, uh, I think it's worth talking about Harry Kane, who scored a very nice goal. Uh, I thought it was actually a very classic Harry Kane goal um, to tie Jimmy Greaves as Spurs' all-time goal scorer. Uh, I I think with all the drama around Kane and Spurs the last few years and his injuries, I think it gets... I don't know if all Spurs fans would say this. I think certainly I would say this amongst myself and a lot of the other Spurs fans I talk to um, about this. But I, I, I think it's very – I think we tend to forget just how good Harry Kane is um, because he's not uh, Holland who looks like, you know, a, a tornado on the pitch or whatever. Or, and I think we've just become accustomed to him. But he really is an incredible player and – even at 29, even in a Spurs team that has not been firing on all cylinders all year, he's still playing at an exceptionally high level. And I don't know, maybe it was just, it was definitely just the tying of Jimmy Greaves with a goal like that. But it really, like, and maybe it's just because it was in such a sort of otherwise bland match, but it really stood out to me and made me think of, like, how much I don't maybe take the time to appreciate that I have gotten to watch, you know, however many years of Harry Kane um, in a Spurs shirt. Yeah, it's tough because, like, you know, he had a few years in the wilderness with injuries and then the awful summer where he was trying to go to Man City that I think left a sour taste in everybody's mouth. And, you know, I think we just sort of, yeah, forgot a little bit how how lucky we were to have him. And I know plenty of fans didn't and have been ride or die for Harry from the start and through all of his bad patch. And we had to eat a lot of crow about asking for him to be sold. Um, that's sort of like the the bottom of his performances. But, yeah, I mean, I, Jimmy Greaves' record seemed like an insurmountable number. You know, I think when I first started following this club, that was like no one's ever going to score that many goals ever. And to witness it from a kid, you know, who came out of our academy um, has been really special. And, yeah, well, and especially how great he is. And I don't want to diminish a guy like Defoe or her Keen or whatever, but you know, that Kane not only did it coming out of our academy, but did it during, like, a pretty special period in Spurs, at least modern history. I mean, he you know, at the, at the heart of those Pochettino teams, making a Champions League final, taking two title tilts 
I mean, yes, there's this conversation about silverware, but the fact that he's doing it on fairly competitive teams, I think, also helps. And it's also worth remembering, Ben, like, even when he was going through his injuries, I mean, I just think, you know, and some of it's, I think, the nature of his game is, like, you know, so much of what makes Kane such a good striker is he's smart. He's where he places the ball. It's how he plays his man. He's not, you know, like a Holland or a Falcao or something like that who's just, like, sort of has that impressive physicality that blows you away. You know, I think it's just you watch him every week, and it's just sort of like, oh, yeah, ho-hum, Harry Kane scored, like, another goal. You know, he's he's going to score 20 again. You know, it is what it is. Like, it's just you just get used to it, and it's – you shouldn't, but you do. And, you know, I think it just speaks to what a high level he's established that we thought those years were down years, if you know what I mean. So, Right. Brian, looking back at his career, he scored 17 and 18 goals in those down years. Yeah, most, There's we, some penalties doing some work in there. but I'd kill if we could still. sign a player who scored that many goals for us. But, yeah. Brian, do you have any Harry Kane thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's just, like you guys said, it's just, it's special that it's him who came from the academy, who, like, especially for, like, our timing as as being Spurs fans, like, was, like, the first prospect or one of the first prospects that we were all like, yeah, this guy is the one that you to watch, and he's, like, tearing it up in the, in the U16 games, and then he starts going out on loans, and you're like, oh, he hasn't really done anything on any of these loans? And then to get his opportunity and, and play the way he has for the last eight or nine seasons is just absolutely crazy. Um, and you're right. He's underappreciated, um, not just by Spurs fans, but I think by, you know, people that watch the Premier League at large. Like, I just, he doesn't seem to get talked in the same conversation as guys like, uh, you know, in the modern Premier League, like, Suarez and um, Sala and, um, you know, Ronaldo and, you know, those sorts of guys. Like, and there's no reason why not. He's, his numbers go, you know, hand in hand with any of those guys. Uh, You know, I think he's, we talked years ago, like, is he the best non-Lewandowski striker in the world? And, I think he was then and he just kind of continued that same level all the way through and so like did someone like a Holland come up and like has he maybe moved past him I don't maybe but like like you said down years with injuries 17 and 18 goals uh, I don't know that that's the kind of player that for your, you'd kill for that for your team like that's that's the exact kind of striker of line leader of captain teammate whatever like it's great and you know it's great for him brian you were talking about his legacy or the way he's perceived um that's obviously not an under-discussed topic in england but do you think that has to do with the fact that he plays for spurs or do you think that has to do with the fact that he either hasn't won trophies or has been a nearly man for both England and Spurs, like they almost won the Euros, they almost won the Champions League, they almost won the league. You know, I mean, which what do yeah. you think that is? I, I think it's down more to the you know the the people that want to see silverware, you know, the flags fly forever type of thing. Like, you know, win the Euros with England and he's a national hero forever, no matter what. You know, win the World Cup, same thing. Uh, um, you know. Uh, we've talked about on the show before how disappointing it is that kind of like this era of Spurs players hasn't got 
that truly defining moment you know the, the 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 lifting the trophy whether it was the champions league final or an fa cup or a league cup even um or the premier league like we just haven't gotten that and so like i i, I do think I'm, I'm not saying that's like that's a that's a point against him or it's a negative i i just think that that people that don't watch him week in and week out look at him and think of you know tap in merchant scores tons of penalties or you know or just doesn't win anything like they're not seeing the 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 greatness that we we watch every single week yeah being on spurs doesn't help <laughs> and the fact that that goes so hand in hand with a lack of success um you know i don't think an fa cup would matter to his legacy you know i, I like just a neutral but uh, to a neutral, yeah probably not but, but like if he won the league that would that would be I think, or the Champions League. But I think Kane's got something that's really interesting, and the only, and I'm sure someone else can bring up another example, but Gerard, Gerard is the only sort of other modern player that really sticks in my head is like, I mean, I guess maybe Raul or something if you want to get further afield. But, you know, I mean, I think there is something different about Kane being a one-club man, and the fact of the matter is, and I think maybe this just is because it spurs or because he's gone so long without a trophy, like, I think at this point in his career, if he stays at Spurs and wins an FA Cup, it's going to do more for his legacy, the way people view him, than if he goes to Man United and wins a title. Okay, maybe United's been so long without a title, that's a little different. But, you know, sit, certainly going to City and winning a title. like Or Bayern yeah, Munich. I don't know if I agree. I mean, he can go, go to Bayern for the next five years, score 30 goals a season, and win the Champions League. Champions and, League's a little different, but, you know, it's not going to mean anything. If that'd you, be a pretty good legacy. I, I don't know. I think this is not as baseball-y as I think you like to imagine sometimes. Like, I don't think anybody cares about his one-club status other than Spurs fans. I think to the extent his lack of trophies matter, it only matters because he wants to leave, possibly, to go win those trophies. And the media is very obsessed with, like, pushing that narrative that he needs to do that. Um, you know, I think if he stayed at, his, at Spurs his whole career and won one FA Cup, I don't think... I think all that does is ask questions of why did such a good player stay at Spurs his whole career and only win one FA Cup? Um, but I think that's but, what's so... I don't really care about that conversation. I'm just happy to have him here yeah. scoring a lot of goals. So let's let's move on from that conversation because I think we can go round and round. And well, you know. I mean, we've got the, the rumor about his potential contract. Well, so that's where I which... wanted to go with that. Is these are the most concrete rumors we've had since he tried to leave Spurs? What was it? Last? Was that like God? That was last summer. Uh, or two summers ago, I guess. But um, Spurs have had, as of this recording, two conversations with with Kane and his agent about an extension. They cert- they've all come from reliable. Kane and his agent Charlie Kane, yes, exactly. who is also his brother. Um, let's let's be very accurate in how we report about his agent. I think these are better sourced than all the rumors we saw about Bayern Munich and Manchester United, um, or at least as well sourced. I think. What shocked me is these rumors came out, if, correct me if I'm wrong, after the City game but before the Fulham game. So they came out at a period of very ugly news for Spurs. And I can see some reasons why he'd want to stay. He probably has a lot of affection for the club. I bet you money that Spurs are offering a higher salary than he's going to get at a United, even a United or a Bayern at this point in his career. Um you know, he probably wants to stay in England, and he knows Spurs, it's it's going to be harder to get out of Spurs um, to go to another English club. So that's at least another year here. 
I could see a lot of reasons you would want to stay here. Uh, we have advocated getting rid of him in the past. Uh, some of that, I think, was heavily based on feeling a little burnt by his attempts to leave. Uh, you know, obviously, it's been a while since then. Ben, I'll start with you as our resident curmudgeon. Uh, how, how would you feel about it? How, how do you feel about extending Kane? I mean, if Kane wants to stay here, I'm happy to keep him. He's good enough and will be good enough, you know, I think for the foreseeable future. I think emotionally, I definitely want that to happen. I think there's a real practical reasons for, you know, the way we do business that might make sense to sell him. But, you know, the kinds of people making that decision, I don't trust to replace him with any kind of quality replacement. So, like, I'm I'm not... I'm not sure I trust anyone to replace Harry Kane. I mean, I know that sounds like... I don't want to sound like too much of a homer, but look what's happening at Liverpool right now. I know they lost Edwards, but, like, that's a lot of production to replace. Yeah, I mean, but they I mean, they went out and bought Darwin, who, like, yes, he's not had a great season. Exactly, exactly. More goals than you think he has, and his underlying numbers are great. You know, like, I don't think it's impossible to do well. I think it's just, it's going to come with growing pains, and it's very easy to do poorly. <laughs> So, I don't know. Yeah, I think you you wind up in a in a situation where you've got like the Moneyball scene where Brad Pitt sits down with all the old scouts and is explaining on base percentage, but in this case, it's like expected goals and uh, touches in the penalty area or something. And like we're like we're gonna try to replace Harry Kane in the aggregate. Um, I yeah, I don't know. I just uh, the the fact that he he's interested in signing extension is big. Uh, even if it's only, you know, a, a two-year extension or, or something that, you know, buys us a little bit of security if he does decide to move next year or uh, something like that. I I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't – I won't believe it until, like, the official tweet is out. Um, but it sure would be nice if we didn't really have to worry about uh, replacing him anytime soon. I'll – come out with the emotional argument here. I think a club like Spurs should try to keep someone like Harry Kane around. He is, I think you guys have explained, this This is an excellent player, and I think, barring a significant injury, you can expect another three, four excellent or very good years out of this guy. I mean, he's a lunatic in terms of preparation. I think, and you guys might disagree, but I think we've seen a lot of evidence he's going to age well. Um, you know, he certainly doesn't have a game like, say, Falcao or Jermaine Defoe or someone that you think is going to, like, not be able to perform at a top level because it relies on speed or something. But, you know, I think there's some value to having Jermaine a guy. Jermaine Defoe played until he was, like, 40. Yeah, but he didn't, I mean. He's still the... playing this year. Yeah, but he wasn't playing at, like, a high level is what I mean. Um well, yeah, Sunderland. Well, oh, yeah, all right, yes. fair point. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, and Scotland. So, I mean, but, you know, I think he's going to be someone who ages well at a club like Spurs. I, I don't think he's going to be like, I mean, I, I don't know. You could, I mean, if it's not for Messi, you'd probably say Ronaldo aged well as a player. But, um, you know, I, I think he is someone who's going to adapt his game as he gets older. I think you've already seen him start to do it. Um, you know, um, our friend Joel was talking about how if you look at the stats, you could see that some of our set pieces might be masking his decline. I'm, I'm considering how we played this year. I'm not sure. I'm not so sure how much weight I put into that, but. You know, I think, you know, a guy like Kane, who I don't think is any heading for any obvious cliff, I think, you know, if you can afford it, if it's not going to constrict your other transfer do like dealings, it's like, you ought to keep him around. This guy is like, he's about to be our top scorer ever. 
He is probably the best English player of his generation. He is certainly the best Tottenham player of his generation. And I think it's there's value in keeping a guy like that on your club. And I mean, he's probably the best English player ever. Honestly. I don't probably. know. I, I would defer to our English fans on that one, but... I wouldn't trust English people to talk that's about English fair players. Enough. Yeah. They're the ones who hate Harry Kane. But... But the thing about Kane is, like, I mean, we were having this conversation about, like, trophies and all this other bullshit. You know, speaking purely as a fan, like, if we ever see Harry Kane lift a trophy north of the League Cup, it's going to be an incredible, like, you can't buy that, like, the sort of emotions we'll get out of that experience. And I understand that's not how you should conduct transfer policy, but, you know, I don't think, you know, I've definitely thought there are times in the past we should have cashed it on Kane, but... You know, the more I think about it, between however much you trust Spurs brass to replace a player like Kane, and how much do you trust any team that isn't Real Madrid or Manchester United, or even, I mean, even including those teams, to replace a player that talented, you know, there's just a level that I've just come around to the idea of, like, you ride him until the wheels come off for both emotional and practical reasons. I think it's worth it. Well, I think I think the only thing I would say to that is is I think Spurs is the type of, of team s- still that should be cashing in on players that are going to bring in you know triple digit you know or whatever hundred million plus transfer yeah. fees like but we didn't and now he's here and so he's not now his value to us is infinitely higher than it is to any other club so unless Bayern Munich is going to pay a hundred million for him this summer which if he's got a year left on his contract or whatever, that seems unlikely. So, yeah, what's you know, more likely, Bayern's going to pay a big transfer fee, or Bayern's going to tell Harry Kane just wait your contract out and we'll like exactly goose your salary. So like, <laughs> yeah, so so for so he has more value to us, and now obviously keep him around. The m- longer he plays for Spurs, I think the better. Even if there is some you know, some decline or even if he does hit like a crazy physical cliff at a certain point, like, I don't know, like Wayne Rooney did. Like, I I just think like that is worth it for the emotional experience for, for me personally. And for just like other Spurs fans, like you would just rather see him in a Spurs kit than in red and white for Manchester United. Like that would just, I I don't, it would feel weird. Yeah. I think my one big caveat about Harry Kane is I'm so uncomfortable with the way we've done transfer business and coaching hires around him. Like he's been such the focal point of this team's identity for so long. And like everything Daniel Levy has done has been geared around. Let's win a trophy with Harry Kane at the expense of like really building for, you know, uh, the next great Tottenham team around him. You know, we're riding a lot of guys till the wheels come off, buying a lot of older than we'd like players to just sort of patch things around him to try and like keep this thing afloat. Um, I think I would love for us to extend him and be comfortable with buying younger guys around him that he can, you know, shepherd into the next generation Tottenham team. Um, and even if we don't win anything, while he's here, you know, as long as we're building for the future, I'm like, I'm fine with it. But that's really where I'm uncomfortable with it is it's just like clinging to Harry Kane for the next five, five years in like the sort of desperate way we've been kind of approaching everything. Um, I don't think is going to make any of us feel better. Um, 
Well, so that's a kind of like my one negative about and, it. And I understand. I mean, getting back to what Brian was saying about Moneyball, sort of talk about you were talking about Ben. Like, I mean, obviously that movie is about the Oakland A's, who since that movie has come out, have sold every oppor- every player they could at the earliest opportunity. And I like I can't remember the last time the athlete. I mean, and maybe someone can prove me wrong, but like they don't win playoff series. It feels like they're blowing it up and starting to rebuild like every year to go get another bucket load of prospects and they get good prospects who turn out like into good players but they just ship them off as soon as they have any value and you know the thing to me is i i think again this is setting the clock back to like i don't know that summer we didn't buy anyone like to me i think brian's right spurs are a club that can't not afford to move players on when there's a market for them but i think the idea behind that should be there's one or two players that you just that you hold on to so you can keep playing relatively well or stay at a you know stay competitive for lack of a better term i don't have a problem with like if daniel levy's came to the conclusion like i am never producing a player out of our academy as good as harry kane this is a guy we have to keep around till the very end da, da, da. i think that is a very rational decision but like brian said we probably should have been doing more to supplement the growth or the, the sort of refresh of the team around him because on the one hand you know, I am a little tired of the sort of half a loaf shit we've been doing for the last couple of years, ever since we fired Pochettino, really. On the other hand, I don't want to turn into Borussia Dortmund, who, you know, I mean, you can't hang up a banner with a transfer fee. Like, I mean, when's the last time, you know, they never get close to winning the Bundesliga. It doesn't matter what Bayern do. You know, they haven't won a Bundesliga in like 10 years. It's, you know, I don't want to be them either. I mean, it's great that they have all these fun players, but like, you know, they had Holland for like two, three years, whatever it was. They didn't. They didn't even take a shot at getting, like, oh, let's go sign a veteran or two and really, like, take a crack at this. You know, I don't want to be that team either. So, I don't know. It's a tough balance to hit. We certainly haven't done it here. Um, But where we stand right now, like Brian said, we can't turn our nose up for, you know, guys who are going to command over $100 million in transfer fees. But I am skeptical that we're going to get anything north of, like, $60 million or so. For Harry Kane at this point, so to me, it just makes more sense to keep him around, with given just where everything sort of sits and stands at this moment in time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look. Luckily, our transfers are. I mean, they're going well know, for right now. I mean, sort of about I'm, to build. You know, exactly this kind of core that we're talking about, right? Maybe. Um, <laughs> Let's start, uh, well, are we? Who's going to build that core? Because uh, Brian, as you so helpfully alluded to early on, our uh, director of football might be uh, going to uh, El Prisonario uh, back in Rome. <laughs> so, How long did you live in Italy, Greg? Uh, my whole life. My whole life, really. <laughs> um, I can tell. I can tell. A week? Two weeks? Uh, <laughs> Brian, I mean, you live in New York. That's basically Italy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Paisan. Uh... Hey. <laughs> I did the Italian. Nobody else could see that because this is an audio medium, but I did the Italian hand gesture thing. Oh, you, you can know. always hear those Italian fingers. You could, yeah. Oh. You know. You just know. So, uh, you know, is Paulie going to. Paulie Walnut's going to sing on uh, Fabio, Brian? What do, what do you think? Are we going to have our director of football? <laughs> I don't know. I think this is all very. I mean, uh, so I guess to 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 recap, Juventus got basically Peratici and so a bunch of the other directors from Juventus got found guilty of committing fraud and you know fi- all sorts of financial weirdness around 
uh, Juventus's books from during the COVID time period where basically they got all the players to agree to reduced wages and then they paid them their actual wages uh, under the table and then they did some funky accounting with everything. And um, yeah, which I mean, look, if it's... Yeah, who amongst us hasn't cooked the books every once in a while? I'm more concerned, frankly, by the fact, not by the fact that Paratici was playing players under the table. I'm more concerned by the fact that he was taking notes on a criminal fucking conspiracy. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there is that. It's the Avon Barksdale, uh, Stringer Bell, like, first rule type situation. Um yeah, um, and, and I mean, it's it's concerning that the cops in Italy caught him. Um, not historically known for their competence. Um, so, you know. <laughs> Good thing the criminal uh, great... justice system taken over, which is also notorious for its uh, competence yeah, and quick action. Notoriously not at all corrupt. Um, so that's great. Just great. I, I don't know. It's just... Um... <laughs> It's frustrating because, um, for a number of reasons, uh, Paratici's existence in general, I think, has been frustrating for lots of Spurs fans over the last couple weeks uh, or a couple months, just because, you know, he was brought in to be this kind of outward-facing leader of the football side of the club. We were supposed to get to hear from him and talk with him, and then, you know, last couple weeks, you know, Antonio Conte is coming out and being like, yeah, well, no one from the club ever comes and talks to you losers, so I guess it's me again. Um, And, um, yeah, I just... It's uh, it's really interesting, and he's in a really weird position, uh, Paratici is, that he he has he has appeals, I guess. I think he has he has appeals in the Italian justice system available to him. He has appeals, obviously, to the court of sport uh, in the EU, uh, um, and I guess he and Spurs are just going to kind of be in limbo that whole time. It's very weird. Like, I don't know why Spurs just don't fire him. Because... I don't know why Spurs haven't like said anything in the press. Like, they haven't even re- released like a like a you know boilerplate press statement to go. We are aware of the developments uh, in Italy surrounding our director of football, Fabio Paratici. Fabio denies any wrongdoing in this case and will exhaust all legal remedies available to him. Like we didn't even get that. Like I just drafted that. On the fly. Um, you're welcome, what Spurs PR. What an attorney. Look at this guy. I know. Guy. I'm amazing. Uh, bench over here. Yeah. Uh, um, I, I just, the silence is weird. And this, this whole situation is weird. The fact that we have to be talking about this in the middle of a transfer window and, and wondering, like, is the guy that we're relying on to, like, build this team and create continuity and... and all these other things is he allowed to do transfers? Like it's so stupid. Again, I on on a certain level, I understand Spurs not counting on the Italian and then European football authorities to, or the Italian criminal justice system and European football authorities to hand down a punishment period, full stop, and b do it in a timely manner. Uh, so I certainly don't think they're racing any clocks here, but yeah, something. Right. It's also still an open question of whether his suspension in Italy is going to be applied to England to the rest of his ability to conduct business, and so 
we really still don't know anything about what the actual consequences might be, even if they happen. <laughs> yeah. I think we're all pretty ambivalent at best about Paratici, so we'll see. <laughs> um I mean, what's really important, and I know this is what's breaking Ben up the most about this, is that we may lose Kulisevsky and Bentoncourt for I'm a month each. deeply skeptical this happens, but... Well, so apparently all of the players who agreed to take money under the table are now also complicit in this fraud and apparently have a 30-day suspension hanging over their heads. Um, I mean, I feel like it is untenable for a player in that situation to kind of not go along with Juve's fraud. I can't imagine how that would have gone, but whatever they, they agreed to it and are now complicit. And and, I mean, again, it's, it's very spurs for no matter what happens anywhere else in football, the joke is always on us. You know, so we lose two of our most important players for a key month. Once we finally start putting things together and are like surging up the table into that top four race, I mean, that would feel just like, of course, that's what's going to happen. Of course. <laughs> I, I'm just deeply skeptical they're going to suspend basically most of the Juve team for a month, but. I mean, that would be very funny, though. It, I mean, that would be funny. I mean, hopefully this is just applicable in Italy and, you know, cool chef, you can't go back there. So, Like, would they suspend them a month for just, like, Italian games and then, like, the those guys could be played in in the Champions League or the Europa League. Well, so here's the truly funny outcome would be that it doesn't, it only applies to the Italian League and that we have like a semifinal against, I don't know, Inter, who's left, what Italian, we're already playing Milan, like, you know, who, who, what what other Italian teams are left in the Champions League, but that would be the truly funny result out of all this. Yeah. And Kulashevsky can't play over there and Bentancourt, they could play in the other leg, though, so it might be okay. Anyway, we'll find out what that means. I don't think we, unless Brian wants to call his, uh, you know, friend, tell, you know, under the pretext that you saw Jet Jackson um, walking her. I mean, it's also possible in South Florida, so I'm equally as likely to see her here as I am in Atlanta. Um, but yeah, we, more updates on that as we get there. But we are actually making purchases in the transfer window. Let's start off with. Uh, uh, I'm not going to try his first name, uh, Dan Juma from Villarreal. Uh, we swooped in and uh, gazumped Everton, who are very mad about this. Um, Historically, a strategy that's worked out great for us. I don't know. Like, we had a lot of yucks with Sissoko, right? Um, that paid off. Never, never backfired in a big game for sure. us. Sure. Um, totally paid off. Uh, Brian, how do you feel about all this? I don't... Uh, I am pretty Dan Juma skeptical, I guess. I, I, I've seen a lot of people talking themselves into this, and I, I guess where I come down on it is this is a guy who's going to play left wing, and we already have Son playing there, and then nominally Richarlison who can play there, and also Brian Heal who can kind of play there, and I don't really get this. Like, why well, was this a priority? Why was this something? Even though it's a loan, I don't think it was a priority. No... I think I think it was an opportunity. <laughs> yeah, but I just don't, I just don't understand what. 
So I, I would be I'm very guy. skeptical that gotta get a guy. Well, yeah. I think frankly, I think it's partly that. I mean, all we've done on this podcast all year is bitch about how we don't have enough attacking options on the bench. So if you sure. look at it like this, he is taking whatever minutes we would have given to Lucas and Brian. Better player than either of those guys. And if you consider, which I don't think is irrational and I think might be true, that, that Richarlson is not fit yet and is having fitness issues this year, taking a $2.5 million punt on this guy to have a little more actual attacking depth on the bench. And someone who can actually beat a man, like, you know, I, I think there's things to like about him as a player. And while he's got a very weird history, you know, a lot of people have been like, well, why'd we get rid of Bergvine if we're going to get this guy? Well, like, you know, this guy's got one more good season in a top flight league than Bergvine ever had. So it's weird, and I don't know if I want to bet on it, but for a guy that we could just let walk at the end of the season, I don't think it's the worst move in the world. It's also pretty funny what we did at Everton, so. I guess I just, if we're signing attackers, like, why are we signing a left wing and not a right wing? Because he's or, available for $2.5 and, like, yeah, we can let him walk at the end of the season. There's like, not somebody else that we could loan in that's also 2 As and a half good as him? I don't think so. Is he that good? For that amount of money? I think, yeah. I think he's really good for $2.5 million. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that it says to me is, like, we're not in a place where we have a plan, and we're not buying guys for the future. We're not really thinking long-term, um, which has been just a constant source of frustration. But you're right. We have to get through this year, and we are close enough now to the top four that we definitely need a body. And at best-case scenario, like, he's a pretty two-footed player who's a pretty decent dribbler, who scores a decent number of goals. And, like, at the price that... I mean, we were linked with, like, Trossard a couple weeks ago before Arsenal uh, swooped in and made that possible. And, you know, he's a few years younger. He's lower financial commitment. Like, we're... A guy like that who can just sort of, like, plug into the team somewhere as an attacking body. And we can do a lot worse. I mean, it's... it's it's I think I take what you said about our pl- not having a plan, Ben. But like I don't think this is an ind- like I think this is separate from that because I think like you said, it's like this fills a need. It is not expensive. If it works out, we can keep him around if we feel like. If it doesn't, like all right, thanks for your service. We'll see it. We'll see you later. It doesn't blow me away, but like I think for like what you're getting for what you're paying, it's pretty good. Uh, and you know, it is what it is, and I don't yeah, think. I mean, this is. It doesn't the same block anything. We had about Longley this summer. Sure, sure. <laughs> I mean, absolutely. I think, I think where I would say is like this guy has played, and I for I actually have not watched a lot of Villarreal this year, but I ended up watching a fair amount of them when he had his good season, and I fucking hated that team because they were so boring. But he was an effective player at very high level in those games, and you know, if we get that player or something that looks like it, you know, that's not a good bad guy to have on your bench or have as an option, especially if. Son, Son is going to keep playing like this, and Richarlison's not entirely fit. So, I don't know. I just, I, I think it's a good, just sort of like, yeah, sure, take a flyer. It probably isn't going to work out, but maybe it will. Like, yeah, does it cost I don't you know. anything? I, we could take flyers on like eighteen-year-olds from France, like you know, I, or I, I don't know, like a flyer on a what is he 25 26 year yeah, old that we have to send contributing back at the end now of the... like getting a guy who's got top league experience who's been in england before like it's just i i understand why they did it and it's also really funny so 
Like, I, I think maybe the most concerning yeah. thing about this transfer is, like, he found out he wasn't going to be working with Frank Lampard and was like, get me out of here, guys. <laughs> like, I mean, I did like that he just, like, basically refused to give them his paperwork. Like, they uh, like because he basically signed everything, but then there was, like, FA, like, the English Football Association stuff that he had to turn in, and he was like, yeah, I left that back at the hotel. My dog ate my registration. <laughs> uh, and they're like, no, no, we'll just print out another one. It'll be fine. And he's like, no, I'm going to go. <laughs> so, I mean, that part is very funny. Um, I mean, he, he filmed all like the video stuff for like the his club announcement. Like he was he was ready. <laughs> and then, and then I, it sounds like what happened is they fired Lampard, and he was like, "Uh oh." <laughs> yeah, I I mean, uh, I wouldn't want to be at Everton right now anyway. No, I, um, I mean, I wouldn't want to be at Everton before they fired him. But like, yeah, you're right. I, I, so, so you know, there, that was my you know kind of negative take on this. But if he, he if Denjuma does come in and he gives us like any sort of ball progression um, on that left flank, that'll be an upgrade on what we're doing right now. I, I I don't think that Conte is in any frame of mind to like suddenly bench Son again, even though the last time he did, he scored a hat trick. Well, I don't, I don't think that's happening. I think the question I, that I have about that is that I'm very curious about is like how fit is Richarlson? Because I am starting to have suspicions that Richarlson is not very fit, and that might be a reason that we're not seeing that he's not benching the Sun these days. Uh, I hope that's the reason because Sun looks like he could use a little rest. But you know, I mean, with Dan Juma here, there really is no excuse not to give Sun a little bit of a breather. Yeah, and I mean, he seems like the kind of guy that that he does, um, you know, some of the stuff that Sun has really struggled with this year. He he receives in tight spaces. He beats a man on the dribble. He He's a pretty decent passer of the ball. Um, he, he gets, he, he will help us move the ball from our defensive third to our attacking third in a way that Sun just has not done this year. Um, and if he chips in a goal or two, while he does that, like that'd be great. I mean, but, he's decent. Uh, like, yeah, he's not. He's not an unaccomplished scorer. Like, I mean, he's not some. Sure, but like, yeah, it's not Brian either. You're not expecting him to start putting. It I in. mean, Richarlison, like, is basically the kind of goal scoring you know. Yes. You're gonna get right. Him. Yeah, in the you know, Richarlison's more of a number nine. He's not a dribbly guy. Danjuma is you know more of that sort of winger slash inside forward. Um, you know, that, that scores, you know, a, a 10 goals, 12 goals a season, like if he's having a good year. So um, I don't know. I, I, I'm not excited about this. Like this doesn't, this doesn't give me any faith that we are, we are suddenly a, a, an improved team and we address some of our weaknesses or anything. This is just like a, like Greg said, a, an opportunity. Like we I had think, this, and so why I not? I think it improves us as a team, but this is like the fourth or fifth priority down the priority sheet. You know, it's it's not. I mean, it's 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 further down than that. It's no, like it's we, seventh. I or eighth. don't agree. We need attacking depth. Like that is a real problem. Like if nothing else, he is like another body we can actually throw on. But it, like I said, he's taking Brian's minutes. He's taking Lucas's minutes. That's an upgrade. I'm sorry. I mean, even beyond that, like we have been so at sea without Kulishevsky because he's the only guy who can make anything happen um, other than like having to drop Harry Kane deep. But with the sun being totally out of form, there's no one on the end of anything. So we need Kane to be 
our guy in the box to score goals because nobody else on this team is chipping in uh, with really much of anything. So getting another guy on the left who can create stuff to free Kane to get up and be in the box and have two guys who can create from the, from the wide areas, you know, I think could make us like transformatively better. But the caveats here are, is Dan Juma really that good? He's having a very down half season after a good season last year. Um, Conte seems to love Sun. Does he even want this guy? Will he ever play this guy? Um, or do we just like make an opportunistic buy to get a body? And we'll see in training if he's another Jed Spence as far as Conte is concerned. I don't know. I think there's like a lot of upside potential here. But it's again, it's just not part of any concerted here's how we want to play, here's what we're trying to do, here's how this guy fits. It's just, we can get something out of him. The way I'm looking at yeah, this, I mean, and it, it, I don't think it speaks necessarily, like Ben was saying earlier, it doesn't speak super highly of t- Spurs transfer policy, but this is like when we got Vinicius, or, yeah, or uh, Gedson, in that, like, except we're getting a real player who might actually be able, like there is an actual halfway decent chance he could be a real contributor as opposed to like a cheap body. We are just throwing at a problem. We're just being I a like cheap body. Just man. <laughs> Fulham, Fulham player, Vinicius. Oh, I forgot he was at Fulham, but yeah. Um, uh, no, I, I think, I just think, and I'm going to do a segue for you here, Greg. Oh, Thanks. Um, yeah, I, I just think that there were other areas of the team that, that I would have prioritized over that, like right attacker, backup, or or central midfield, or defense, or, I don't know, right wing back. Yeah, good thing. Uh, I think Spurs might have agreed with you because they've been prioritizing this for a month. I can't believe we're actually here, not because I didn't think Spurs would uh, finish the negotiations, but just it did not feel like a real thing that was going to happen when we were sent on our scouting mission to Portugal last year. Uh, but Pedro Porro, uh, we are recording this, at, of course, at 1030 on a Wednesday night in America. So um, don't blame us if something happens. But it seems like this guy is coming to Spurs. Uh, we haven't gotten a Here We Go tweet yet. But by all accounts, it looks like this thing's going to happen. Um, I'm excited, which I think is uh, a mixture of God, we need a player at this position and also – you know, I feel like we, we kind of discovered this guy, or we were in on him a lot before before a lot of other people were. Um, no, I don't know. We discovered him. Yeah, <laughs> there's something there's something very comforting to me, and it's again not a good side of a transfer policy. And who knows? Because I think we've been actually linked with this guy a little bit longer than this year. But I, I find something very comforting about like Spurs have a player play really well against them in in a Euro- European competition, and then we go out and buy him, and it's not good, but it's comforting to me. So. Yeah. Just another Sissoko. So they're signing two No, Suzukos. no, no, no. That We didn't play Sissoko in Europe. I was thinking more of Jorelio Gomez, which did work out pretty all right. Best goalkeeper we've ever had. Okay. <laughs> we would we, we would kill to have him back. Okay, back. Let's, let's calm down. Yeah, he never made calamitous errors. Yeah, we, we, would, kill, we <laughs> would kill if we had him back. Notoriously reliable. Um, I, you know, I... I, for a long time, I just thought this was like us wish casting yes. on our little podcast. Um, and then like, if we tweeted or talked about it enough, like we could make it happen. And, and we did it, you know, it, we did, we did it. It's a testament to the human will. <coughs> and Greg said it enough times and it happened. And it's, I, I, I honestly am also very excited about it based only upon my watching him. Uh, in our Champions League group and in the game we saw him in person. 
he seems like he is a ton of fun. And I don't care if he doesn't play any fucking defense. <laughs> like, like I do not care about it at all. Um, it's it's going to be great. I'm excited for him and his super bright teeth. Um, I'm excited for him to score goals and do good crossing and just do wingback shit. Like, no one on the team does wingback shit. That'd be really cool. It'd be great. I'm so excited about this. $45 million, though. That's a lot of money. It, I don't think it's actually $45 million, but... Um... We, we don't the have reliable reports. The negotiations so far have been us naming a number and and Lisbon saying $45 million, and we come back with another number, and they say $45 million. And we've done that for a month and are now like, okay, how about $44 million? And they're like, okay, we'll think about it. Plus tax, $45 million? And we're like, okay. It's just it seems like, like, it seems like a lot of negotiations have been about this payment structure, which is because Lisbon's like, no, we want it all up front. And Spurs are like, no, that ain't fucking happening. And, and I mean, maybe we'll sign him for forty-five million and keep the sell-on in uh, the Marcus Edwards uh, contract. And so when Edwards moves for, I don't know, eighty million to Newcastle over the summer, we'll get some money back. A paid report will basically pay for himself. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little uncomfortable with how much it does feel like we just kind of willed this into existence. Like, right? It's not. Bad. We not- shouldn't be generating transfer policy no one podcast should have this much power you know what you know what the extra inch could get a guy fired or or and their and their employment was first but we could create employment so we're the job creators here we're the friends of labor yeah who's wow. really more valuable to the podcasting community <laughs> at large we're just we're just pretending that wendy wasn't there with us oh he was there he too. was there with with us though yeah, yeah we, we really we really us. had to talk him into it <laughs> No, we're we're so powerful, Ben. We're so powerful. We dictate Spurs yeah, transfer. I feel policy. like God right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I. Uh, he better be good. That's all I can say. We're gonna eat so oh, much yeah, shit. We'll we're gonna eat forever. so much shit if he's bad. But I'll, I'll say this about him this year. I feel like, you know, we've been sort of we've been this sort of boring, staid team all season. And even though Conde hasn't, like, mixed things up a lot, he's mixed things up a little, and it hasn't really had an effect. But if there's, like, one position where I feel like you could drop a better player in and it would make a real difference, and I don't think I, – I don't know. I, I don't want to say I don't think, but I don't know that Pedro Poro is that player. I think he might be. But I think it's right wing back. Because if you can just get a right wing back who can get in there and start wrecking shit, maybe not against the cities of the world, but certainly the Fulhams and whoever of the world. I mean, how much space does Emerson always have to run into? I mean – if you just got a guy who's just charging in there, creating and creating chaos, which I think is what Poro's, Pedro Poro is going to do, you know, I think it could really benefit this team in the very short term. Yeah, I mean, I think you know Emerson having a constant amount of space around him is a very much a tactical plan by the opposition to let the worst but player on the pitch get the ball. Now they but, can't do that anymore. Right? Yeah. Right. If if they have to mark Pedro Poro, that means somebody else isn't getting double teamed. That means. Maybe their left winger has to track back for a change and can't just like post up and, and wait for a break. Um, you know, there, there's a lot to be excited about. I think you know. Um, I know folks have flagged some like limitations in his game, but the stuff that he's good at is exciting enough that I think it'll be a pretty fun time. I saw someone on Twitter describe him as like a stocky Aaron Lennon, if. You know, Lennon came up and played wing back today, and 
it's a, a pretty decent comparison. He has that like that little burst. He's small. He's jinky. Um, but unlike Lennon, he has a much better like final ball, good delivery, good cutbacks. Um, he also and for like all, for Lennon's all... just a fun guy. I'm yes. still all team at Aaron Lennon's if I could. But the other thing about Poro too, or Pedro Poro too, is that. Like unlike Len, I, I refuse to call. Yeah, him no, name. I need to. He's got he's got a very two, two names, always say both of his names thing going on. Um, but the thing about him also, if we were going to compare him to Lennon, is like he might not be like super tall, but certainly seeing him in person and watching him play on TV, it's like you don't feel like he's going to get bodied off a lot. I mean, maybe he's not going to like get up in the air for for you know compete for headers, but. I do feel like, you know, he's not going to get his ass kicked by center backs all the time. You know, I mean, he's got a certain level of physicality that I do have some sort of faith in. I mean, we'll see. He's got that little, like, Shakiri goblin build. That's yes. Just, like, a little yes. spark plug. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm excited. I, I mean, I think he's a really fun player who does lots of really fun things. It's probably a little more than I would have liked to have paid for him, but, like, whatever. It's not my fucking money. I mean... You know, 40 million euros ain't what it used to be. Yeah, One Davison mean, Sanchez. I mean, whatever. If he, if, if I am perfectly, I think I am, yeah, I, I think he'll hopefully be better than Davison Sanchez, at which point that transfer fee's worth it. That's a good way of putting it. And I mean, look, sometimes you have to overpay for good players. Like, not every transfer you do is going to be a deal, contrary to what Daniel Levy would have us believe. Like, sometimes you just have to, like, you don't always get lucky and have an Erling Holland, you know, summer release clause that's, you know, half of what his actual value on the open market would be. Like, sometimes you just gotta pay. Like, and sometimes you wind up against a club that, you know, has Champions League football and can promise all sorts of other good stuff, and they make you pay. And you just do it. If if Spurs are a big club, you just do it. And and. So it's it's nice that we're gonna finally do it, even if it took us a month, and we could have had him, you know, maybe, back on but, January first, yeah. maybe. But I mean, that's the real reason we bought Dan Juma is because Levy got taken behind the woodshed on this deal. He just like needed to do some yes, thrifty that's business. <laughs> and we're like, oh, okay, well, their total cost is like forty-seven million for two guys. That's a fucking steal. <laughs> I mean, if that's what we need to have a competent transfer policy, you just you know, Daniel Levy have some weird like, like, like take a player away from Everton once a transfer. Like, fine, God bless. Like, that's what we need to do to get business done. Like, you know, just let him steal someone from Everton every transfer window. Like, sooner or later, it'll pay off. Yeah, I don't know. We shouldn't be stealing League One players, though. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's it's tricky talking about that because we all know the. The opportunity cost. Oh, we could have had him for a month, or why was it this deal set up? Or like, who fucking knows? Like, sure. I mean, I, 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 like, you know, is is this was this Spurs being obstinate? Did they know that Sporting are a little broke, so they could get a better deal? Was it just simply a matter of we are not paying you 40, 45 million euros in one like cash payment? We can't do that because you know we're not that liquid. I don't know, but the important thing is we're getting this player, and it's not like the last fucking minute on transfer deadline day, so. Yeah, it might be. <laughs> ah, yeah, you're right. I shouldn't. Yeah, I shouldn't. It's the 25th right now. There's still. You're right. You know, you're right. A lot can happen. Um, but we might not be done our business. Uh, we have been linked throughout the window with uh, Nico Zaniolo out of Roma, who I don't know. I have yet to meet 
a Spurs fan who's excited about this who isn't Italian, and by that I mean like an actual Italian as opposed to like people we know who live in New York. So like, I mean, (laughs) I I don't know. No one is. there's like ways you could squint and see that he's still a decent player, but I'm I'm not excited about this guy. That said, I'm desperate for anyone in the midfield to progress the ball. So if it was if we were paying what we're paying for Don for Danjuma, I would maybe be okay with it. But that doesn't sound like what's going to happen. Yeah, I think I think that's the thing with Zaniolo is that the prices we were talking about for him that's not an interesting thing to me. Like post injury, he's just not the as good as he was not as explosive and he's keeps getting older well, um, he's not that and, old <laughs> no i mean he's 22 23 yeah, that's not the problem here. well I but mean, i mean like pre-injury he was 21 and his thanks. numbers and statistics were a lot different and now he's you're looking at someone who should still be at his physical peak, but it looks like the injury has robbed him of a little bit of pace and, uh, and quickness. And um, uh, I don't know. I, I think, I think signing Dan Juma just kind of obviates the need to sign Zaniolo. I don't, I don't see why you would get both of them. Um, and, and, and I'm like you, Greg, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not particularly excited about about that signing, and I can't think of really anyone that is. Yeah, I mean, I think at at this age, you know, you've kind of lost the ability to dream on him developing some of his other skills that he didn't have when he first kind of popped up. Like, he can't really pass the ball, not a great finisher. Um, He's really just kind of a guy who dribbles. Um, and there's like a decent work ethic, I guess, around that. And now he's just older with blown knees. So what really is he? Um, Kaylee was saying that his like shot numbers are exciting enough that like there's something there, but I don't buy it. So again, like if, if Roma were like, Oh, here's the 30 million Euro release clause. We'll give him to you for 2.5 for the rest of the season. I'd be like, yeah, sure. Like, okay. Like, I, I'm willing to try anything in midfield at this point. And then if, you know, you let him walk, it'd be like, okay, whatever. Roma seemed pretty hell-bent on getting him off their books, which, you know, also doesn't seem great. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I just, you know, we have Richarlison and now Dan Juma, and I just don't, how does he fit into this team? I, d- dribbling it out not, of midfield. I mean, that's the only thing I can come up with. But I don't really think he's much. He he is a midfielder, though. I mean, he's he's more yeah. of a, a a wide forward winger type. Like he's not. I, I don't think any. I, and I will, I will right. readily admit that I'm not a, watching I'm, a lot of series. I'm stretch. I'm stretching here. So like. so uh, maybe he plays some as a ten. I don't know. But like, I mean, he's not playing in a midfield too. Um, in, in this Conte three four three system, so I, I don't know. I just don't. He doesn't. It doesn't seem like a, it. Didn't seem like a fit when it was first rumored, and now that you have Dan Juma on the team, it definitely doesn't seem like a fit. It always feels. I mean, I know there's like ITKs always talk about it, and like God knows we shouldn't take ITKs too seriously. But to me, the links with him have always smelled like agent talk as opposed to like someone that we're genuinely interested in. I don't know if I'm making myself feel better when I say that, but, you know, it either feels like agents are using us as a stalking horse or 
Paratici's doing someone a favor by being like, yeah, you could say we're interested, but I don't know. I'm uh, skeptical that this will happen, especially now that we've got Danjuma here. Um, we've also, there's been some reports coming out that now that once Spurs get Pedro Porro over the line um, with him and Danjuma in, that we'll be sniffing around for a center back or a midfielder. Uh, ben, if you had to pick with no particular name in mind, assuming it'll be relatively modest as opposed to someone like Bastoni, where would you rather we focus our energies and remaining money? I mean, I think a lot depends on, you know, who these nameless targets are. Yeah. I mean, I, we all know that our center back situation is absolutely dire. Um, but I, I don't think, you know, the Bestonis and Guardiols of the world are available right now. Um, we're probably better positioned to buy that guy this summer and getting long light 2.0 is not going to move the needle a lot. And then you got what another body on the squad who kind of sucks or is only okay. Um, we've got enough of those. Um, I think, you know, there's a lot of midfielders in the world. There's a lot of guys who provide a different look, um, whether they're pure, you know, guys to play in midfield too, or that sort of Malinowski type we dreamed on, who was like kind of a 10 who could play in a midfield three, who's like maybe play out wide, something a little more flexible to give us, you know, just some more diversity in, in how we play. Um, I think is probably a, a better use of our time at, in this window, but you know, if we're just going to go buy yet another Hoybier, Bencor, Basuma, Skip lookalike, like I, that's a waste of fucking time. So, yeah, I, I don't. It's it's hard to say. Like, I'd be happy with assigning in either position because we need them both. But I'm just sort of kind of skeptical about what that's going to look like. I tend to think that a long lay like substance, for lack of a better term, like that could make a difference in midfield. Like you get sort of a mediocre mid-tier guy, but, oh, he can pass, like you said, the Malinowski thing. Like, oh, he can pass, he can move it a little bit. Like, I think that makes a difference in midfield, like you, like you said. But center back, it's just, okay, that's more of the same. Let's just get through the season and keep our powder dry for the summer window. Like, unless you really just hit on someone. or I mean, weren't, Brian, weren't we linked to that, uh, that Frankfurt defender at one point? Yeah, Indica, I think we were linked to him earlier in the window. I, I, and I think his contract expires this summer, or does it? He's or after or this summer, he only has a year left, something like that. Like his contract is running down, and and that's kind of if you can get a player like that in January, which is something that Daniel Levy loves to do. I think that would be good. Um, you know, if, if that was our center back purchase this January, I think we'd all be fairly pleased with that but that's like the floor um, right i mean for center backs at least yeah um but but i agree with you guys i think i think a passer or someone that provides some sort of variety in midfield is a much easier deal to do uh that it's much easier to find a player that you know is just kind of different from everything that we have um, and I think it would probably ultimately make the most impact on us down the stretch. Because, like, look, we've seen Ben Davis and Eric Dyer be good center backs in the last year. You know, we've, we've seen them play perfectly competent football that, that you know, wins us games and wins us points and keeps clean sheets. Like, they're not incapable of it. 
So uh, I think having that that alternative in midfield slash right wing slash you know eight ten thing is much more impactful. How do you feel about like thirty million for a twenty eight year old Schinniar at center back? Like, I mean. That's an obvious upgrade over like any of the players that we have. Um, Thirty million. I mean, you sign him to what a four or five year deal. He's there here till he's thirty two or thirty. I I don't know. I'd be okay with that. Like that's certainly better than I think than that. That makes our squad better than if we don't do anything. So if our option is you know nothing or that, I think I'm okay with that. I think that's where Spurs need to make the internal calculus. Is this going to, like, are we going to sign a guy like Gavardial or Bastoni in the summer? Do we have a chance at those guys? Is that going to fuck it up either in terms of we do we have places in the squad for them or can we afford it if we spend this money? I mean, that's like. Yeah, I, I mean, we're not Chelsea. We can't sign 47 central defenders. So if if we're. You know, if we feel like we got a real shot at a much better defender in the summer, then I'd rather not screw that up. But, you know, I think you could do a lot worse than Skriniar, <laughs> both in the short and long term. Yeah, I'm not I'm not bad, mad about it. I just, like, don't want us to find ourselves in, like, another Joe Roden situation where, like, we kind of compromised on a guy that nobody really wanted, nobody really knew what to do with, and now he's just still a guy who's nominally on our roster on loan somewhere. Yeah. Like what's the fucking point? Uh, that's my, I think with center back, you just like uh, a guy like Skriniar and Dika, I think is the, are the, that's the, that's gotta be your floor for upgrades on the center, on the back line. Like I think that is work. You should be more or less be doing in the summer because I think it needs, like you said, it's, we're not, we're not putting band-aids on. We don't need to be putting band-aids on there and adding guys to our, payroll that we can't get off in a, in a little bit or that we're going to want to upgrade in six months like brian are you checking if we sold Roden? <laughs> yeah i was i was like i was like i thought that he's on loan uh, at Ren, right well i thought they were going to send him back i thought that was the talk but like during the world cup was that uh he's in he's at Ren, right I yeah think. i thought Ren were going to send him back but i, I think they, they hate him um which um i was also checking like indica's contract no 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 i i <laughs> I was just checking in Dika's contract situation, and uh, it does expire. His contract does expire this summer, and he's you know he's twenty three years old. Like somebody should sign him. I mean, we could do worse um, than that. He's left footed. Like, how is he not an upgrade over Davies and Longley? I mean, he is, but I mean, I, I, I guess I guess he's probably not that good a passer. If I remember his radars, he's not as good a passer as, as Longley, but he's definitely a better defender, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't hard know. It would be hard to be worse. The, the, the whole Dan Juma thing, uh, you know, in it, 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 a season that's been a bit of a grind, getting the, like, the dopamine hit of a transfer out of nowhere was a nice, uh, a nice change of pace of maybe not the best use of our club's resources. So sure. if we could have, like, a really good transfer that comes out of nowhere in the next, like, week, that'd be fun. Yeah, it's nice to, like, live in that moment of, possibility right where it could be anything and it could do wonders for us before we had to face the reality of like yeah there's a reason this guy was going to everton in the fucking first place yeah he's gonna score like two goals and like in a bunch of sub appearances and it'll be whatever but yeah it, it 
I just wish our next league game was against City. I wish we had a couple. I wish we had a little bit of a on ramp for. I mean, I know we're playing uh, in the in the FA Cup this weekend, but I, I wish we had a little bit more of an on ramp um, for these new signings. But hey, I don't know. And it's fine to go out there again and like whip up on City for a half just to show them we're still their dad and then throw <laughs> the game because we don't want Arsenal to win the league. You know I'm what? You're right. With another game that goes exactly that same way. You're absolutely right. Yeah. <laughs> just like, can you just not come back till the 80th minute? <laughs> like, like we'll concede a bunch of goals in the 80th minute, but let's just like whip on you just for a little bit. Remind you what's what. Yeah. Uh, on that note, uh, I think it's time to wrap it up for the night. Um, we had a nice healthy transfer podcast. Thank you, Tottenham for that. Uh, Ben, where can people find you protesting Daniel Levy on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Enoch Out. No, seriously. <laughs> uh, yeah. Seriously with a Y. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, where can, uh, where, where, where can people find you tweeting from when you are uh, waving your bed sheet outside of Spurs training ground? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Brian underscore Ashlock. That is Brian with a Y. And you can help me post bail for when I am arrested trying to uh, break into Daniel Levy's house at Skipjack0079. That is Skipjack with a Y. And don't forget to follow our podcast Twitter account, WDR Podcast. That's WDR as in Wheeler Dealer Radio, also with a Y. Um, Yeah, for Ben, for Brian, uh, and of course for Brett Rainbow, I have been your host, Greg. And um, please post bail for us.